Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. I am Megan Robinson, joined as always by Epitoba and Justin Southwell. Hey guys. What's good? What's good, fam? Hey, hey. Sad weekend to be a cowboy or cowgirl. Both baseball and softball seasons ended, but they had great runs. They had great runs. Yeah, they did. Um, you got to feel for them, right? It's, no, it's never fun ending the season in a less than high note. Uh, I know that people, there are all these rumors about what changes need to be made from, I think mostly from a baseball side, not so much from the softball program, but golly, I mean, valiant effort, right, from from both sides. I think the only thing that we can hope now is that we have a strong offseason to make another run for it. But goodness, something uh, something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give. Yeah. It's hard out there. Yeah, I mean, I think people will kind of forget, like, how how tough the competition is. But, um, you know, whenever you have such an excellent history in, in baseball, then you're yeah. kind of held to that high standard. And whenever you don't hit that standard, and, and it stings a little bit. But uh, positive that we can do what we need to do to turn it around and get things rolling again. Meg, you kind of called it last week, though. You said, hey, these teams that are, that are in this tournament are teams that we have lost to during the season. So it wasn't going to be easy by any means. I was hoping that that would be, you know, we might have learned from our past games and done a little bit better. Uh, but I, I went to the game. I went to the baseball game on Saturday. And whew, that was that was rough. That was rough. And Nolan McLean or Nolan Schubert hit the home run. I was like, yes, home run. I'm feeling it. And then all of a sudden, Dallas Baptist went off. And, you know, got to give shout out to Oral Roberts. They are hot right now. They are yeah. hot right now. And as the only other team, I honestly don't know if OU made it through or not because I don't care about them. But even if they did, ORU representing for Oklahoma. So let's go. Let's yeah, go. That, that's my wife's alma mater right there. So. Is it really? Yeah, that's where my wife went. You know, she, she didn't finish there. She finished at Cal State, but she – started at ORU. Uh, I'll be honest with you, she ain't got no school spirit. She does not care what happens there. But maybe if I tell her what ORU is doing, she'll, you know, show a little bit of pride. We'll see. So ORU actually, uh, you know, rep they've got basketball going, baseball going. Yeah. I mean, if they decide they get a football team rolling, like, we better watch out. That's all I'm saying. Like, hey, no, uh, props to them, but hate to see it as an Oklahoma State fan. Yeah, whoever is over there running their athletic department and getting all, all this type of success, yo, can we just bring them in as a consultant or, or give them a role? <laughs> like, give them some kind of job, senior associate, athletic director, something. You know, it's, it's not a far drive. You might not even have to relocate your family, man. Just make it up the highway and, and, and hop on the Bob, the big orange <laughs> bus. Come on now, get something yeah. done. We need you guys it. Know the Bob? 
the big orange bus goes from Tulsa to, yeah. to Stillwater and it has like Wi-Fi. So you can, you can work mm-hmm. on your commute, you know, it's just. Oh, snap. Crazy. I didn't even know about the Bob. Yeah, it's a thing. Yo, so my my family, my in-laws, they live in Tulsa. So next time I want to go from Tulsa to still, I always make the drive, but I could just take the Bob. Hop on the Bob. I love that. Hey, but you know what? We still have something to look forward to because the spring sports aren't over yet. Right. Like we got, we got the outdoor track and field natty that is coming up. So uh, you always know OK State is going to rep in track and field. Yeah exciting stuff so it's also weird it's like spring sports are almost over and then it's summer and the next thing you know it's football season so super excited so close yet so far away i think we're less than 100 days now right i was just gonna say less than 100 days and i ran into justin williams at the game on saturday becoming my new bff and he was talking about how he has, you know, he has helmet fittings. He has all this stuff going on. So his season's starting, mm-hmm. which is like, it's here, guys. It is. It's not here, but it's here. Yo. So, media days are a month away. Like, we are. No doubt. It sneaks a up lot some. of prep behind the scenes for all of that. Like, I mean, he's probably already got the whole season planned out as far as what they're wearing already. Oh, he does. Um, but, yeah, he's got to get 125 guys fitted you know um so props to all those guys for for all that work they put in speaking of work behind the scenes i don't know if y'all saw this but the athletic uh equipment managers association they had an award that was given out to uh wes edwards i don't know if y'all know wes that is the equipment manager at oklahoma state football so he was the 2020 night pickard equipment manager of the year award recipient he actually finally got the the I don't even know what it was. I don't know if it was a trophy. It was a plaque or whatever, but they actually gave it to him. Yeah, he got the hardware uh, just now. It's 2023, but he finally got it. So, hey, shout out to Wes, that guy holding it down, doing all the important work behind the scenes, man, getting it done. Nice. Our last couple of shows, we've talked about conference realignment, and this is the conversation, guys, that is not going away. I know that a lot of people were like, the Big Ten doesn't want you last week. And you know what? We don't want the Big Ten either. So, Well, Justin does, but I I, I don't. It's true. I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> we'll see how it shakes out. But that's not what we're talking about. Well, we are talking about conference realignment, but not to do with the Big Ten. The sources have told Action Network that the Big 12 basketball coaches are in favor of adding UConn to the conference. UConn is the reigning national champ in basketball. They've won five titles since 1999. So, you know, I'd put them in the conversation with Duke, UNC, Kansas for one of the top tier basketball schools. Easy. Yeah. Uh, their football team's currently independent, but they're also not historically great. They were 1-11 in 2021. They were 6-7 and seven last year under Jim Mora. Again, they're independent, but Mora's kind of all on board for UConn joining the Big 12. How do you guys feel about it? I mean, of course he's going to be on board. They make like 6 to $8 million right now currently. They join the Big 12. They're, it bumps up to like $42 million annually that they will be able to make. So no-brainer for UConn. I think that the basketball program would make um, – you know, it makes a ton of sense. Like KU versus UConn. And the further that UConn goes in the tournament, of course, the more money that the Big 12 conference is able to get back. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm not sure how true the rumors are. Uh, bad news for the football team. I'll tell you that right now. You know how K- KU was for all those decades? That UConn would be the new KU. 
You know, like they might as well just get in, get used to getting spanked on a regular <laughs> basis because, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that working out well for them. But from a basketball standpoint, it makes a lot of noise. And I think, too, even whenever you look at the way that we were able to negotiate the TV deals this past, uh, you know, the past offseason, you have – uh, Brett Yormark putting a premium on basketball, right? Like our, our basketball package is worth a lot by itself. So whenever you can add another basketball power to what the most competitive conference in basketball from top to bottom, right? As well as the most watched conference in basketball, it does make sense from that standpoint, but maybe it helps UConn out as well. But uh, I think ba- basketball is probably the biggest beneficiary. I am more so interested about this other rumor about Arizona possibly coming over with Colorado, but that's, you know, we could talk about that one later. Well, Eve, you talk about basketball and how true these rumors are nine hours ago. So first thing this morning, CBS sports released an article about inside the big 12's pursuit of Gonzaga Yukon as Brett Yormark aims to increase the league's basketball dominance. So I guess now Gonzaga is also in the conversation, which they don't have a football program, but huge basketball school. They've been mm. in, they've been like a one or two seed the last I don't even know how many years in the in the NCAA tournament. But so I mean, do you take that angle and go the basketball route and just go basketball heavy and not say screw you football, but put put the eggs in the basket where we're currently the powerhouse conference. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I think it makes sense because, uh, you know, Gonzaga's what, in Spokane, Washington? So mm-hmm. you're covering coast to coast, right? If mm-hmm. you are having these power two, you know, the rumor is the power two conferences between the Big Ten and the SEC that are going to be taking over football potentially, why not be the conference that can take over basketball, right? We can be the power conference coast to coast that can take that part over, right, from Gonzaga all the way out east to Yukon and everything in between. So I'm not bad about it. I'd like to see what uh, or read about what the strategy is, uh, you know, long term there. But, hey, as I said before, your mark is your guy, and I just trust the guy. As I'm skimming mm. this article on CBS Sports, sorry, Justin, uh, your mark, there's talk. He said So in this article, it says, your mark believes with the interest of streaming properties on the rise, college basketball will be will be worth more to suitors in the future. One key issue, they'd have to separate media rights, but he's talking about could you potentially get separate media rights for basketball and football and not just like conference rights, which could mm. shake things up. And that like would that. be, if you have separate conference rights, then you can really go with basketball. That makes a lot of sense from a profitability standpoint. Justin, you don't look like you like this. He <laughs> just hates it. Um, I mean, from the Big 12 standpoint, it absolutely makes sense. But from Oklahoma State standpoint, as an Oklahoma State fan, I'm like, this hurts. I mean, we're already consistently a bubble team trying to get into the tournament every single year, and we're bringing in arguably three of the best like basketball t- teams historically that the NCAA has, has seen. So it's going to be that much tougher. Uh, you're only losing realistically Texas as competition. I feel like Boynton definitely had OU's number over the last several seasons, but it's going to be really tough for Oklahoma State to make the tournament if these other powerhouses are going to be added to the Big 12. So I don't necessarily like that aspect of it. And then I also don't like the aspect of almost settling for basketball 
And I, I, I only say that just because football is what drives revenue. And if we're settling for teams that historically just have good basketball programs and not football, I feel like our football, uh, you know, perception is just going to fall that much further behind. Yeah, I get that. Let's just play a hypothetical. Okay. Let's say that there becomes these two powerhouse conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, like we talked about in our last show. And let's just say Oklahoma State gets left behind in that scenario. And we are unofficially never in contention for the national championship because we're not in these big two conferences. Would you rather still have a powerhouse Big 12 basketball conference where you are in the conversation and you are in the discussion where you can at least then be a national champ in a sport, even if it's not football. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, but you got to get there. That's the thing. It's like, we're going to have that much more of an uphill battle. If these other basketball programs are being brought in Gonzaga, Yukon, Arizona, and not have an uphill battle in football. If we join the big 10, I don't think so. I think that, that's and that's exactly why I prefer going to the Big Ten over the SEC. So I think in last week's podcast, I probably should have clarified. I was just I was leaving out the SEC, even though realistically, if we are to join one of the Power Two conferences, I think it'll probably be the SEC. But for the interest of Oklahoma State and being able to compete more immediately, I think that the answer would be to go to the Big Ten, especially in that. Big 10 West. And I don't know if, I guess they're going to get rid of divisions, but it's like easier competition than even really what we have in the big 12. And I feel like Oklahoma state could definitely make a case to be within striking distance of a big 10 championship in the next like three or four years. Look, I mean, there's so much that happens in three to four years in college football. I think that if you're weighing the difference between, you know, whether it's basketball or football or where we can be more effectively and competitive immediately, I don't think it makes any sense to join the Big Ten Conference. You know I love Oklahoma State. I bleed orange. But quite frankly, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Heck, even Iowa right now, I think that they, they're they ahead of us, unfortunately. Like, as, as football programs, like, right now, it, it's tough for us to compete against these schools. I mean, hell, you saw you even saw what uh, Wisconsin was able to do, right, against us. So it's, it's yeah. just one of those things to where if you're looking at the next two to three years, you know, after OU and Texas leaves, we know, we kind of have the numbers of some of these schools that are already within the conference. It is a much easier path and an easier road to winning a, a conference championship by staying in the Big 12 conference, making it to the playoffs, especially whenever the playoffs expands to, you know, 15,000 teams that they're about to do and us having a real uh, probability of making it to the playoffs and getting more eyeballs on us, which in turn will lead to better recruiting and more money for the university at large. I'm going to push back a little bit. All, All right. right. Wisconsin, they just had the benefit of us being injured in that bowl game. Like Wisconsin should... didn't have their starting quarterback, bro. It doesn't. Neither did we. I believe. Neither I'm sorry. I believe and Wisconsin. Iowa, Similar similar situation there. They're really good on defense. Very similar to Iowa State. Very good on defense, but our offense shouldn't have any issues if we're if we're playing on all cylinders. Uh, Penn State, yeah, they're going to be good this year, but historically in the last few years, I think that there's no reason to believe that Oklahoma State wouldn't be able to compete with them. Same thing for Michigan. We just saw Michigan with their best team in probably the last 20 years get beat by TCU in the playoff, and we 
were that close to beating TCU this last year. So I just feel like Ohio State is really the only one that is where it's like, okay, well, this one's going to be a little bit tougher to do. They're probably on the same level or higher than OU, but you still have Definitely Ohio State, OU. Michigan. Those are the only two teams. And Penn State now, I mean, looking forward to this upcoming season. But, I mean, historically over the last few years with Oklahoma State, especially that 2021 season, winning the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame's playing these teams and they're being some of these Big Ten teams we're talking about every year too. Yeah, so fair. I think what you said is fair. So at best, right like right now, I guess at worst, we're the third best team in the Big Ten Conference, right, coming into the next you know several years. You have the opportunity to be the best team in the Big 12 Conference, though, in the immediate future. I think that's the difference right there. Like with, with the two, you know, OU Texas leaving, the ones who steal all the recruits. Well, now, you know, TCU's jumping into the recruiting party. But now you have a real chance to be the top dog in the conference. And I think that's a differentiator. By the way, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to poop on OK State whatsoever by saying like, hey, you can't ever compete with any of these schools. No, no. You can absolutely build to that. But I'm just saying in the immediate future, you can get there like in two years as far as being – Big 12 champions making it to the playoffs. Yeah. It is true as far as the route to get there. I definitely agree with that. But whenever you have lower competition and you're playing against the teams in the Big 10 and the SEC when you make it to the playoff, then I think that that's where that talent disparity catches up to you. I think TCU maybe maybe got a little bit lucky with turnovers against Michigan whenever Michigan should have actually handled their business and taking care of TCU in a similar way to what Georgia did to TCU. And so that's kind of my fear. It's like if all of these good teams are leaving over for the SEC and the Big Ten, OSU is getting left behind and the talent disparity, and we end up turning into something like Boise State, Cincinnati, what we've There's seen no in way. the group of five conferences over the last, you know, however long we've been watching college football. Cincinnati no, there's, there's no way. So... But check this out. Yo, there's there's no way that the Big 12 conference ever turns into one of those group of five conferences because there's way too much leverage with you talk about the Texas schools, the power that comes from those alumni bases, the money that still comes from a TCU, a Baylor, um, a Texas but Tech. What about and, what happened with Rice, though? Like Rice, Houston, like they've they're in Texas and UTSA. You know, UTEP. Well, they're not. They're not in a power five conference. Texas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's what we. That's what we could be looking at. The like Rice, they used to be in the Southwest Conference with Texas, and that was one of the you know power conferences. And then once yeah, but Rice was never team. good though. I think I think like that's the thing. Like yeah. Rice got left behind because they weren't competitive. Oklahoma State and honestly, all these schools in the Big Twelve, the ones that I just named, they'll never get left behind for the simple fact that they're consistently a top, you know top twenty programs. Like they're always in the picture. That's what I'm saying. Until that's what I'm saying. Like until they moved until the the power two conference. And they've got like what, 16, 20 teams on each conference. So the top, you know, 40 teams we're looking at are going to be, you know, big team. Give me, give me three or four conferences with 16 teams each. Okay. I think that's look, if we can be the Clemson of the big 12, cause you know, Clemson ain't got no competition over there in the ACC every now and then, you know, Notre Dame, whenever Florida state's coming up. But not see about Florida State or you know North Carolina, Miami. Yeah, I mean Virginia Tech. Well, yeah, but there was a nice little run. There was like a nice six-year run, eight-year run, even 
when Clemson was just the school. I would love to see sure. Oklahoma State be the school because because of Clemson being that, they were able to get better recruits, attract better coaches, and as a result of that, get more money and notoriety as a program. Honestly, to me, the way I see it, Clemson should be one of those programs that we should be trying to mimic their model because they seemingly came out of nowhere after the hire Dable Sweeney. And I think that's like the program that we could be looking at and saying, hey, let's follow their roadmap and get to you know the level that they got to. I want to back up because I think looking ahead, if OU is going to the SEC and OSU is staying in the Big 12, that talent gap that I'm talking about in the future is going to be the recruiting battle. We we're already having a tough uphill battle against OU and being able to bring in some of the best talent from around our region, especially in Texas. And it's going to be, I think that much easier for them to say, do you want to play in the sec, like the top dog conference, or do you want to go play in the big 12? That's like, yeah, well, I'll push back there and say, Hey, if you go to OU, you go into Texas. Now you have to travel, you know, across the Southeastern Conference in order to watch your 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 son play. Where you can stay here in the Big Twelve Conference, where we're going to be in Texas multiple times. We're going to be um, in Kansas, which is just one state away, and you still have you know that exposure over there to the Southeast region. Whenever you're going and playing UCF, you're going out west to BYU. So for the most part, though, like it's easier access to actually be able to watch your kid play and. As we always say, if you can ball, the scouts are going to find you. Like You're going to be able to shine from anywhere. I'd also say, though, to Justin's point, that if OU is I, – I don't think OU is going to automatically be a contender in the SEC. I don't know. Or I don't Texas. Think for Texas. I, like, I just – I don't think that it's going to be this thing where they're going to come in and automatically be in the SEC championship. I don't think that. So to your point about how things can change over two, three, four years, it's going to be very interesting over the next two, three, four years to see how the recruiting plays out because if OSU starts floating to the top of the Big 12 perennial contender – Always yep. in the talk for the championship versus OU, who's mid-tier SEC. Do you yeah. want to play for the contender or do you want to play for the mid-tier OU or Texas? Because, oh, well, they're SEC. Well, what's I, I'd rather win a championship. I'd rather go right. to a team that's going to win a championship than be like, well, maybe we'll compete in the SEC this year. I don't know. So why do you guys think that they won't compete? In the SEC? Because there's greater competition. Yeah. Overall, yeah. I, did, I think that like the Alabamas, the Georgias, LSU, all like they're not going to play all of those in the same year. year, though. What? They're not playing all those teams in the same year, though. I understand. And that. I think we'll that from the from it. the top to bottom, I think the SEC is a little bit overrated in that aspect. That I would you agree. should be able to handle like some of those lower tier teams, mid tier teams, and then uh -oh. yeah, definitely struggle or maybe potentially every once in a while upset some of the Alabamas and Georgias of the SEC. OU struggled in the Big 12 this year. In the Big 12. But yeah, this is just one year, and it was kind of an exception, like all of that. But they should be able to bounce back. Powerhouse program. I don't want to, like, hype up OU too much. But I just – I think that they can compete is what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like uh, the perception of the Big 12 is that they, they don't play good football. And I feel like as two of the best teams in the Big 12 from the past decade – Especially with OU, Ooh, not, so Texas? Texas. not so much Texas. Not so much Texas. Yeah, but I was about to OU. say, wait a minute. I know we ain't but, talking about Texas in the last decade. Yeah, but I will say, like, Texas, they've gone through coaching changes. They seem to 
maybe have their guy now. Recruiting is starting to pick up. I think that maybe the culture's changed a little bit, and they're gearing up, getting ready to play in the SEC. They played with Bama and lost by one point last year. Yeah. So I think that they can. I think they can hold their own. Well, I think the greatest use case and example that we can uh, bring up right now is Texas used to always out-recruit Texas A&M. Texas typically would beat Texas A&M whenever they would face one another. Texas A&M leaves and goes to the SEC, and all of a sudden, you know, even though they haven't been able to – like Texas A&M within the SEC has not risen past like the middle of the crop team. I think that's going to be pretty similar to what we're going to see from these two schools going over there. However, Texas A&M – Whenever they, um, whenever they left, and then they got under that umbrella or or the shadow of University of Texas, they have then been able to at least attract way more talent and get better recruits over to their program, get better coaching and things like that. I think that whenever an OU leaves and Texas leaves, we can then be that schools that can attract way more talent and at least rise up within the Big 12 against inferior competition. When you talk about talent disparity, there's a huge talent disparity between, you know, the bottom five in the Big 12 as compared to the bottom five in the SEC. And I just think that 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 puts us in a better position to succeed. I also, I want to slightly amend my statement. I don't think that OU and Texas are going to go into the SEC and be the next Vanderbilt or Kentucky of years past. You know, Kentucky's on the rise a little bit, but they've been sort of like the, oh, Kentucky's a sure win. But I, I, I think that OU and Texas fans think they're going to waltz into the SEC and run the show. And I think it's going to be a wake up call. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk. And I think that OU fans are delusional in thinking that they're going to just walk in and be like SEC. And it's kind of, you know, all of a sudden it's like when you go from college football to the NFL, it's like, Oh, here are the big boys now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, just a little bit faster, a little bit bigger, just, and it's just the, the areas that they recruit. I've, you know, I've, I've been to a ton of SEC schools and things are just a little bit bigger overall facilities, yeah. players, People are passionate, yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that they can't compete. I just think for OU and Texas fans, you're not going to walk in there and run things. You're going to, you know, get smacked around a little bit in the process. Well, and then that kind of brings up what I was saying earlier. That's why I feel like the Big Ten is the move for Oklahoma State. If we were to get into one of the Power Two conferences, try not to go to the SEC against those giants. You have a better shot, in my opinion to go to the Big Ten and compete immediately. And I think that's also assuming that there's going to be a power two conferences, which I am Absolutely. That's, that's the yeah. whole caveat is and, and if, they're, if we're Which, by the way, direction. I'm saying there is absolutely no chance that we are going to see the Big 12 get out of being a power, a power conference, right? It's uh, Big 12 conference is always going to be in the mix because of the leverage that these institutions, chancellors, presidents, and athletic directors have. If my options are OSU to the Big the Big Ten or the SEC, yes, Justin, I agree. I'd rather go to the Big Ten. However, I I hope that that doesn't happen, and I don't want that to happen. And it's going to just be really interesting to see if we get Arizona, Colorado, Gonzaga, UConn. Uh, selfishly, I think I'd kind of love to see like UConn. You know, I have a lot of friends that went to UConn, spent ten years in Connecticut. You're so a true Northeasterner. It's I am. Yeah. Listen, I was there for some championships, so I just think it'd be fun to to get the the, the basketball aspect because UConn's a very good basketball school, and it'd be fun. To, like, can you like seeing UConn play Kansas 
Oklahoma State on the regular, like that'd be pretty. Baylor, Texas Tech. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Like that'd be, that'd be fun. Don't... That would. Yeah. That would. I'm not mad about that. Well, I'm sure we'll have new news next week because for all we know, there could be an announcement that a deal is made because some of these deals get made under the rug. But on specifically Oklahoma State news, Justin Blackman, once again, on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. He is one of 78 players and nine coaches. Just a quick little recap of Blackman's career at Oklahoma State. Two-time Bolitnikoff Award winner. Michael yeah. Crabtree from Tech was the only other two-time winner of that award. Two-time first-team All-American. Yeah. In 2010, he had 111 receptions for 1,782 yards and 20 touchdowns in 12 games. Like, that's stupid uh and then in 2011 the of course the fiesta bowl season 121 catches for 1522 yards and 18 touchdowns in that fiesta bowl eight catches 186 yards three touchdowns game offensive mvp dang yeah i mean not to mention that he owns the ncaa record for most consecutive 100 plus yard uh, games and 200 plus yard games yeah the guy is just a, a monster on another level and there's no reason why he shouldn't be a hall of famer going into this season um, you know, especially if you compare him to a guy like a Michael Crabtree, who I think he's a better uh, receiver than a Michael Crabtree uh, was. I mean, the amount of touchdowns that the guy was able to score is just unbelievable. And even whenever you get to the league, I talked to uh, one of his former teammates whenever he was at uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he would tell me all the time, he said, man, I was so mad at Justin. He was telling me all the time, he said, I was so Mad because if that guy could have just stayed on the field, I'm telling you, he would have been one of the greatest receivers in the NFL because of what he did at practice. I mean, you saw he was suspended, right? For like the first four games of his rookie year, comes out and plays 200 yard game, and then he led all rookies in receiving yards that season despite not playing four games. So the guy's just on another level, man. That guy, put him in the Hall of Fame, please. He's the best. I mean. <laughs> There's not anything else that we really need to talk. I mean, he is the best. Uh, we've had a lot of other great receivers come through at Oklahoma State. Rashawn Woods, Des Bryant, uh, James Washington, Tylen Wallace. And I just feel like with the exception of maybe talent-wise, Des, uh, you know, Justin Plackman, he's got the numbers to prove that he's the best receiver in Oklahoma State history. And I just named off some of – the most prolific receivers in all of college football. And yeah. he is like head and shoulders above those guys. So uh, yeah, he's, he's the best. Now I will say there are a few receivers that are coming up uh, that are looking pretty good, but still they have a ways to go before they catch the great Justin Blackman. So Oklahoma yeah. State receivers or receivers in college football, just receivers all over college football. So like uh, Marvin Harrison jr. For example, like he's, Unbelievable. He didn't win the Belitnikov, though. He didn't even win the Belitnikov. So, I mean, I think this season will be different. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up with, if he's going to reach that 20-touchdown mark that Justin Blackman got in 2010. Yeah, I will say, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, when they were at LSU, like those were some compelling – they they made some compelling cases. Uh, But, man, whenever you talk about doing it two years in a row, I think that's the other aspect that a lot of people need to consider. It's not like you just did it for one season. Two different offensive coordinators. Two different offensive coordinators, right? Who did that? Randy Moss didn't do that. Calvin Johnson didn't do that. Larry Fitzgerald didn't do that. You know what I'm talking about? So, like, that counts for a lot right there. That's weighted heavily on my scale. 
Same Andre thing. Johnson didn't do that. You're throwing out some names there, Eve. Uh, Randy, Randy Moss, Larry Fitz. Those are two guys who are also on the ballot this year, not currently in the College Football Hall of Fame. Michael Vick, not a receiver, but a quarterback, also on this year's ballot. Legend. And I just think that shows how difficult it is to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. The criteria is insane. You need to be, first of all, if you are not a first team All American, you're automatically ruled out, out, rejected. Have to be, you're eligible 10 years after your final year of college football. Must have played within the last 50 years as well. So 10 years removed, but played within the last 50. Coach becomes eligible three full seasons after retirement or immediately after retirement if he's at least 70. Active coaches are eligible at 75. Must have been a head coach for a minimum of 10 years and coached at least 100 games with a like 60% winning percentage. And yeah, also it's, there's a character element involved to that. Have you been a good person and carrying the ideas of football forward into the community? And your nominations are submitted by current ADs, SIDs, coaches, or people who have a, a vote in the, in the process. So it's, it is not easy to even get on the ballot because yeah. if you are not a first team All-American, you're automatically not considered. Man, I'll tell you, I wish that one thing that was considered was just how people were at practice. And of course, nobody's ever going to see that. But that dude, Justin Blackman, was day in and day out the best practice player that we had during those 2010 and 2011 seasons. I mean, he just never got tired. And and those are always the athletes that I was the most jealous of. Right. We had guys like Johnny Thomas, Justin Gilbert, Justin Blackman. For, I guess all their names start with J's, like J guys, for whatever reason, right? Uh, Joseph Randall, never, never Justin got Southwell. Justin Salwa. So, like, <laughs> just these high-energy guys, but it's not only a, you're a high-energy guy. I remember there was one practice in particular, okay? Justin almost made me quit football, straight up. So I'm covering Justin Blackman on a deep post, and, yeah, he was probably – there was probably, like, 15 yards of separation. It wasn't even close. Like, he goes and he scores a touchdown – and it was probably like a 50-yard reception, okay? And he just jogs all the way back to the, to the huddle, right? This is after running like 50 yards. Jogs all the way back to the huddle, lines it up. All right, we're running another play. Hurry up, hurry up, run again. He lines up, runs the exact same route. <laughs> For whatever reason, there's another 20 yards of separation because I'm over here dead tired, and he catches a touchdown again. And I remember just walking back to the sideline thinking to myself, yo, am I even good at this? Like, should I even – should I even be out here? Like you got this superhuman and then you got me. I don't think we belong in the same field right now, but that's what he did to people, man. And he was such a good dude. Um, But man, that guy was, was uh, the best practice player that we had during those seasons as well. And it's cool. Whenever your best player are also uh, the ones that kind of set the tone for the rest of the team. Go ahead, Justin. No, I mean that, that just lines up with Justin Blackman. Uh, The, the other thing I would add to it is, he did it with kind of like this um, humble confidence. Yeah. And it was kind of like, he's like kind of a soft-spoken guy and he's not like a big trash talker and like yelling, but he kind of, his game just like carries that for him. Um, Cause he's super competitive. Um, but yeah, it's just, he's such a unique person and receiver for Oklahoma state. And it's just so cool to see him, you know, getting honored for the Hall of Fame. So I'm super yeah. proud for him. 
And he loved his teammates, man. That's one thing that I loved about Justin so much. Like he loved galvanizing the group and being bringing everybody together. Yeah. Any celebration, it was never about him. It's about going up to Tracy Moore, about going up to Justin Horton and bringing the rest of the, the receivers along. I remember there was even one year when we weren't able to get bowl rings or the seniors weren't able to get bowl rings. And uh, Justin decided, well, he was going to go pro. He's about to make all this money. He said, you know what? I'm going to buy rings for all the seniors. That's a story that doesn't get told, right? No, I don't think that's even out there. But he decided he was going to buy rings for every single one of the seniors so that they could have that. Like just a selfless dude, man. I love that guy. Class act. Well, Justin Blackman, if you're listening or watching and would like to come and chat with some of your former teammates, give them a call. Uh, you're welcome. Believe in OK State Pie, baby. Awesome. I tell you, he's a. Uh, I, I will say though, he's probably the second best football player that I was teammates with. Who's the first? Uh, as far as that, because yeah, I, I've been teammates with a lot of really talented guys. The most athletic is probably Des, right? Like just freak athlete. But when it comes to just football player, man, offensive tackle Russell Lacoon, that guy was just a straight up football player. Another guy who's humble, who's nice, really kind, but. That guy never missed an assignment. That guy was always – like his technique was just so on point. And uh, got, like all the physical attributes that you could ask for, like he he had them all, right, as far as height, weight, quickness, all that. Like that dude right there was just – my goodness. I don't know if y'all saw the, the story recently, but that guy lost 100 pounds. That's a lot of weight. Good for him. Pounds, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Really? That's how he did it? Yeah, he, he did a water fast for, for 40 straight days. Water only. I don't know how that's possible, but. You can't do that for wow. 24 hours, let alone 40 days. Props to you, Russell. You look great. He, hey, does, he really does. I'm not being sarcastic. No, he, hey, he said, he said Jesus did it. I'm doing it too. You know what I'm saying? It worked out for him. <laughs> Did Jesus fast for 40 days, though? Was it that long? Yeah, it was in the wilderness, nights. 40 days, 40 nights. Right after getting baptized by John the Baptist. Straight from I, Clearly, you have not read the Bible recently. Meg, uh, hey, what are you doing? You live in Oklahoma, all right? Come on now, you're in the buckle of the Bible belt. You need to get you get on it. I don't even own a Bible. What? <laughs> I'm messing. I'm messing. Yeah, I did go to Sunday school, but that was a long time ago. Oh, but not the Believe in the Bible podcast. This is Believe in OK State. And before we wrap this up, of course, we still have news and notes. There is still some sports news coming through, some fresh sports news before we kind of have that summer hiatus of anything happening within athletics. And there were a pair of golfers who received All-American recognition. Congrats to Jonas Baumgartner and Rasmus Niergaard-Peterson. Both were named Honorable Mention All-Americans for golf. And five softball players were named Academic All-Americans Rachel Becker, Cheyenne Factor, and Morgan Wynn were second team academic All-Americans, and Kelly Maxwell and Caitlin Carwile were third team. So congrats to all of our All-Americans, both on the playing field or golf course, I guess it'd be the golf course, and in the books. Congratulations, y'all. Keep killing it. Yes. And well. With that, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast presented by Bet Online. Good luck to our track and field team this weekend as they compete in the national championship. Once again, I'm Megan Robinson, joined by Justin and Eve. Like, share, subscribe, follow, comment, all the things. And of course, go pokes. Go pokes. Go pokes. Go pokes.